Anxiety has the ability to rob us of peace. We worry about the past. We worry uh, when things change. We worry when they don't change. We worry when the boss wants to talk to us. We worry when he doesn't talk to us, right? I heard someone say they got an email of the day that said, start worrying now. We'll send details later. There's an old a fictional tale about it years ago of a guy that was on a train, a young man asked him for the, what time it was. And he said, I cannot tell you, I will not tell you what time it is because I have a daughter, a beautiful daughter. And if you ask me for the time, I tell you the time, we'll start to have a conversation. You'll want to know about her. And uh, you might want to meet her and you might even want to marry her. And I don't want a young man who can't afford a watch to marry my daughter. <laughs> Here's a question that I'll come back to later in this message and probably in the series. What if you kept doing everything you're doing without anxiety? You kept doing everything you're doing because not having anxiety and not worrying is not about passivity. It's not about not saying what needs to be said. It's not about not being concerned about what you need to be concerned about. It's something else. What if you stopped thinking survival? Stop communicating in all caps. We're going to talk about worry, anger, depression, fretting, and freaking. By the way, the, there's a holy war between the fretters and the freakers. The fretters think they're more, more holy than the freakers, and the freakers always think they're more holy than fretters. But they're both really two sides of the same coin, right? Steve Light says, or he said to me the other day, anxiety is the current beneath the river. Anxiety is the current beneath the river. So the river may be anger, depression, worry, fretting, freaking, pouting, shouting, all of those things. Some of us, some of the stuff we worry about is really serious, by the way. It's not just the silly stuff. Will my company make it? They're downsizing. Will I lose my job? Will I have a, next, a job next month? Will my parents be okay? My mom, my dad, early stages of Alzheimer's, what's this going to be like? My, will my bone scan come back negative or positive? The interesting thing about worry, anxiety, and stress is that God doesn't say, I'll give you non-threatening circumstances. He doesn't ever say that in the text we're about to read. He doesn't say, I'm going to remove the opportunities for stress if you will trust me and love me you will never have a reason to be stressed or anxious or worried. What he does, he gives us what I'm going to call the glass between, the, between us and the tiger. But you've got to know that the glass is there. One of my favorite images I've run across in the last couple of years is this one. I just love this image. Uh, I, I, I sent the, because Steve Light had talked to me about uh, having a non-anxious presence, they call it. Beginning to have a non-anxious presence. Beginning to be calm. Which my, my family, by the way, is really glad I'm preaching this series. They're hoping I will go listen to it. Because <laughs> I'm not really great at this. And I'll tell you more about my personal journey with anxiety 
over the next four weeks, so you'll want to come back because I might give you something really juicy about me. But don't you love this picture? This little toddler is not afraid of the tiger. Non-anxious presence. In fact, Murray Bowen, who a psychologist who created a whole field of psychology, calls something that we're going to talk about later. I won't give it away right now, but he talks about it being the glass between us and the tiger. The tiger is always going to be there, but do you believe that God, you believe you're enough his child that he's put a glass between you and what threatens your life? What, what if you, the child of God, would trust the glass that God puts between you and the tiger? You, you might be able to enjoy life more. You might be less irritable. You might be less aggressive. I'm going to give you four words in this series to help you lean in more to life. The first one is found in Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. Circle the word consider or highlight it, however you do it. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Circle the word birds because we're going to talk about birds today. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life since you cannot do this very little thing? Why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon. There's the word again. Consider. Not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, and do not worry about it. For the pagan world, very important there, pagan world, circle pagan world, run after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So the word is consider. There's a lot to unpack in this passage. and We're not going to try to unpack it all. But that word consider, we are. It's also used in the Old Testament in the context of anxiety. I love this verse. It's always been one of my favorite verses, one of my default passages. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. He didn't say, when times are bad, freak out, fret, stress, or get aggressive. When times are bad, stop and think. Stop and take a deep breath. To consider is to separate. Here's what consider means. It's to separate your thoughts from your emotions. It's to separate your thoughts from your emotions. There are segments of the church that have, and I come from that segment of the church, that preaches a strong, what we call a holiness message. Strong holiness. That we're to separate ourselves from the world. And that manifests in itself in all kinds of ways. We don't, we don't, we feel like we, you know, we need to be careful that we don't always dress like the world or always watch the things the world, all kinds of things. One thing we didn't do very much, though, is we never talked about emotional holiness. 
I never heard a sermon on really on emotional holes, but that's what this series is about. And not in this beat up, chide you kind of way, you're going to go to hell kind of way, but this gift that God has given, the glass between you and the tiger that will make life more, it will make life better and will make your faith more attractive. People are looking for a faith that works. They're looking for a relationship with God that actually works. And it's not that Christianity doesn't work, it's just seldom ever practiced. You have a thinker, back to emotions. You have a thinker and a feeler in your, in, inside of you. Your feeler, though, and here's what Jesus is saying, why he says, get your brain in gear, your feeler will respond to your thinker. When we look at the result of God's creation that isn't capable of worrying, as we're going to see in a moment, we stop churning inside. So let's do some big league considering, okay? And thinking. There's one, there's one image of the thinker that I saw that he's surrounded by chaos. And for, for reasons I won't go into, we didn't use that, that picture. But, uh, but that, I like that one because in the midst of chaos, this one figure is thinking. I, I love this image. Let's consider. Let's consider a few things here this morning to get this series off. Let's consider what anxiety and worry is. Now, anxiety is God's survival system for life-threatening emergencies. That's what it is. Don't pray that you won't be capable of being anxious because you, you be, you'll have to have a lobotomy. And we don't want you to have a lobotomy. You, you need your brain and your, your limbic system, your autonomic nervous system. You need that thing. Because someday you might have a situation where you need anxiety. Anxiety is a gift from God. Amen? Anxiety is a gift from God. It's something God gave you to save your life and to save your kid's life and your spouse's life. It's something God give you, gave you. Uh, textbook definition or uh, dictionary definition is anxiety is a state of physical and emotional hyperarousal marked by high muscle tension and strong feelings of fear or anger. A state induced in animals and humans by a threat to well-being or survival, either actual or imaginary. Back to the tiger. If, if you were to walk in your house this afternoon and a tiger, is, a six or seven hundred pound beast is crouching, you better be capable of anxiety. If you get in your, go out and get in your car today and a rattlesnake is curled up in the seat beside you preparing to strike, it's time for anxiety. To keep that definition in mind, though, we're going to give you another definition, and that's the definition of a worry. I, I, I never, ever, I, I, this de- I don't know if I love this definition uh, because it describes how I emotionally feel sometimes. But I, I, I need this definition. Definition of, of worry is to harass or treat roughly with or with continual biting or tearing with the teeth, a dog worrying a bone, to pluck at, push on, touch repeatedly in a nervous or determined way, worrying the loose tooth with your tongue. It means to twist or choke. 
See, your emotions, so, you know, worry is a very, worry and anxiety, uh, we don't realize that when we're having them, they're very aggressive things. And like I said, anxiety in particular is for those situations where your life is threatened. Your emotions, see, your emotions are like an elevator with 10 floors. That rattlesnake in your car or in your path. I, I really saw a story this week, if you can believe everything on the internet, uh, which I do. Uh, <laughs> someone uh, raised the lid of their toilet and there was a rattlesnake in the toilet. Did you see that story? It's true, right? Is it true? And so that would, that's time to freak out. Time to freak out. Or maybe you were raised in a highly anxious home. Maybe you were raised in an abusive home where every, it was eggshelly all the time. And so what happened to you is you got stuck. If, if your brain is an elevator with 10 floors, you got stuck. You, you, went, you were at the 10th floor all the time because of what was going on in your home. You were at the 10th floor all the time, and maybe you came down a little bit, but you really got stuck on the 8th floor, and you've never been to the lobby. <laughs> Is anybody here who's never been to the lobby? You're stuck up on the 8th floor because you lived in a highly tense home. Maybe there's abuse, alcoholism, all that kind of bad stuff that goes on, or just around highly anxious people. And so you got stuck up on the 8th floor, and you never come down to the, to the lobby. You're operating in daily life with your survival system. Your survival system that's, that's designed to help you get away from a rattlesnake or kill it or get away from a tiger or get away from some life-threatening thing. You're operating, you're operating with that kind of survival system with the daily problems of life. Your child's messy room your spouse leaving half-empty coffee cups all over the house, and you're dealing with it with the emotion. You're dealing with it from an eighth-floor emotional system, and it's making your life miserable, not to mention the people that have to live with you. God has given you a survival system, but there's a question. Have you spent enough time coming to a full reality of how to align your survival system with who God is. Have you done the heavy lifting? Have you given the time to come in, to bring your survival system to the reality of the glass between you and the tiger? That the little things that are going to happen today are not life-threatening emergencies. The problems that you're going to face today will very most likely, they will not be life-threatening emergencies. Now, you may have a life-threatening emergency today. I mean, <laughs> you know, if there's, if there's a minute and a half left in the game and Atlanta's down on the one-yard line, that's a life-threatening emergency. Freak out. <laughs> Go to prayer. <laughs> Let's consider also and we're doing all this considering today. See, God didn't just give you a spirit. He gave you a brain. He gave you cognitive abilities. So you can talk your way out of stress and anxiety. He's given you the ability to talk to yourself. The woman with the issue of blood in the Bible who touched the hem of Jesus' garment, it, it says she said within herself. 
if I can but touch the hem of his garment. David said, oh, I love this verse. David said, I love this verse. This is a verse you ought to memorize. David said, my soul, why are you disquieted within me? Why are you upset? That's a good question. Why am I upset? Why am I being so amped up here? Let's consider the damage that anxiety can worry and worry can do when you never come down to baseline, but you live your life up here in the eighth floor. First of all, physically. Physically. It, re it releases adrenaline and cortisol, which is very, very good when you need it. Very damaging to your body when you don't need it. Arthritis, they believe, is cursed. Is, is, can be, and I'm not saying everybody has arthritis. It doesn't mean you... Many reasons. I have arthritis, a lot of arthritis in my, my left knee. It's because I ran into Wayne Morrill on the second baseline many years ago. <laughs> that was the first time I hurt my knee. Was Wayne out there? Every, I think, of, where is Wayne? I think of him every day because I'm, oh, man. Well, that wasn't the only time. I heard him playing basketball. I just kept hurting the same knee. And finally, one night, I get up in the middle of the night. I get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and I didn't know my leg was asleep. And so I put all my weight on it. When I did it, twisted, and I went, I literally passed out in the middle of the floor and eventually had surgery, had all the cartilage removed. So I have no cartilage right there, and so you're supposed to feel sorry for me. But uh, <laughs> so that arthritis in the knee has nothing to do with anxiety. I got bone on bone, so that's why I have arthritis in the knee. So I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty if you have arthritis, but it causes a lot of things. Cortisol, and, and you who want to, you're trying, I, I probably need more cortisol in this regard, but some of you, you need to know that cortisol causes weight gain, especially around the midsection. And anxiety and anger releases cortisol in your bloodstream. You know what they're finding out? This is a fact. Uh, uh, the adrenal gland is supposed to be the size of a lima bean. But in recent years, almost all the autopsies they're doing, they're finding, and they're finding that people's adrenal glands are the size of a fist because we're so amped up. We're getting too much news. We know too much. We're getting bombarded with uh, Facebook and social media and tweets, and we're getting bombarded with every bad thing. I mean, if, if, somebody, if somebody throws a rock through a window in Miami, you, you will know about it within five minutes. So physically, when we, we're getting stuck on the eighth floor, it's causing physical problems in our bodies. And this is why it's so important. It's, this series is so important that we rediscover the peace of God, that we rediscover a heavenly father who really cares about us, who really loves us, who sent his son to die on the cross, who has eternity waiting on us, Relationally, what about that? Here's the deal about anxiety and relationships. People can only hear you when they're moving toward you. I don't care what you're saying. And people cannot to move toward you when your elevator is stuck on the eighth floor. Anxiety pushes people away. God designed anxiety. God designed anxiety for that. See, if, there, if there's a rattlesnake in the, in the house, then you want to shut down all peaceful communication. It's not a time for intimacy. 
<laughs> it's not a time for romance. It's not a time. When, when you're highly anxious, it's, everybody shut up. Everybody shut up. We got we to gotta take care of this right now. That's what anxiety does, see? Anxiety shuts down peaceful communication. So, but if there's nothing really more going on than somebody didn't clean out the sink, if that's all that's going on, now that needs to be addressed, absolutely. But if that's all that's going on, and we're up here, eighth floor anxiety impacts relationships. Morally, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of how much really bad moral decisions is based on a, a response to anxiety. Now, we all know that we tend to eat comfort food when we feel anxious. I actually went up a one whole size in my waist after surgery because I felt anxious all the time. I had a lot of anxiety, and, and, and it was just it was related to things related to my recovery. It wasn't just that I was worried. It wasn't that kind of anxiety. But it was just nervousness. And so I went back to doing something that I hadn't done in years, which is eating things like hamburgers and cookies. And so, so I, I gained about 15 pounds because it, made, it calmed me down. It helped me to feel calm. So we all know about that comfort food, but how many other things besides food, how many other things do we put into our mouths or we put into our minds that calm us down when we're feeling anxious? How, how many men turn, uh, uh, and it can be women too, but how many more men than women turn on the computer and begin to fill their, 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 their spiritual stomach with pornography because they're so full of anxiety? to try to escape that painful anxiety. How many affairs, how many people drift off and have an affair? How many people drift off and into all kinds of bad workaholism? How many people just stay at work because that's where they feel normal? That's what calms them down is somehow they feel by working 24-7 or by working 18 hours a day, seven days a week, by working, they're somehow holding the forces back that threaten their death. God has a better life. God has a better life for us. Immorality is actually saying, here's what immorality is saying, no matter what kind of immorality is. I want relief, but I don't want to change. I want relief, but I don't want to change. Of course, so of course, this impacts us. I didn't even talk about psychology here this morning. Psychology, the psychology of this, we become addicted to anxiety because our brain gets reformatted and that's normal for us. Our brains get reformatted, uh, just, that's the first thing that happens. And the second thing that happens, here, here's one of the reasons it's hard to get us to stop being anxious, because anxiety seems to work. My mother used to say it, my mother was a warrior, and she would tell us, you think things are bad? Think how, think, think how bad they would be if I didn't worry. It's hard to convince an anxiety addict that they're not keeping the world from coming to an end. They're not keeping their children from going into total demise because of their anxiety. God has a better way. God has a way that you can be even more responsible. God has a way that you can even be more proactive about your problems. This is not about passivity and not dealing with your problems. 
Think how much more authority you would have if you dealt with them calmly. Think of, think of the police officer. I, I had a situation this week where I'm coming down the Mass Pike, and as I come by a highway patrolman, his lights go on, and my heart raced. I had what, physiological arousal. <laughs> my heart races, and he pulls up behind me, and I wasn't sure I was doing anything wrong. I mean, he's like this far off my bumper. And I, so I keep slowing way down, and then he goes around me and cuts in and pulls the guy in front of me over. I didn't feel sorry for that guy. <laughs> I just, I mean, I just tell you the truth. I did not pray for him. I just, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I got a growing to do, okay? I got to grow. <laughs> Worry seems to work. It seems to make, it seems to be holding something at bay. But no, I was going to say about the police officer, that's where I was going with that thought. The police officer pulls you over. I have yet to have, and I'm sure it happens, and somebody's going to have a story to tell me, well, I know this police officer freaked out or, 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 or something at me. But my experience with police officers is they stay very calm and they don't lose one bit of their authority. I freak out. I'm, I, I, I amp up, but they just calmly write the ticket. Set the court date. They put laws in motion that I, that I either have to obey or pay the consequences. That's what God wants to do for you. That's what God wants to do for us. It's not about having less authority with the kids, less authority at work. It's about having more authority because the laws of God begin to work for you. Amen? Spiritually, let's talk, think of what does it do to us spiritually? This is the most important part. Luke 12, 28, O you of little faith, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all these things. So everybody who's freaking out there, that's what worldliness is. For those of you who came out of the holiness movement, worldliness is not just short dresses and rock music and, uh, and, and movies with sex in them. Worldliness is worry because they have a short view. They don't have an eternal view of things. They don't have God in control. When I live in anxiety and worry, worry I'm being a functional atheist. You may have near-perfect doctrine, but you will live separated from God because God is often in the storm. I love Nahum chapter 1, verse 3. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and the storm. Focus on the storm, you will pay the price spiritually. The damage of anxiety and aggressive worry is the stress response. This is very important. The stress response is more damaging than the original stressor. Finally, Jesus says, my last consider today, consider how God takes care of his creation. Consider how God, this is what Jesus' antidote for worry. Consider how God takes care of lower life forms that aren't as smart as you. Far as we know, uh, animals and do not have the ability to worry. As far as we know, they don't have the ability to worry or, or have unprovoked anxiety. 
Pastor Buddy uh, Owens is a teaching pastor at uh, Saddleback Community Church in California. And he was a, an executive with a music publishing company, a worship music publishing company, matter of fact. And he, he talks about a, 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 situ, a battle he had with anxiety. But he, uh, in it, he talks about uh, how birds have always been an important way that God has communicated peace to him. He said one morning he was paying his bills, and it was one of those times when there was uh, more month than there was money. You ever have those? More money than more month than money. And as he's stressing over his bills, a little bird comes hopping across the patio through the window from the kitchen. And he was reminded, God takes care of the birds. Consider the birds. Consider the ravens, Jesus said. Consider the lilies. He also talked about uh, one time in their company, they had this merger plan with, with another company. And they worked months and months on this merger and had planned, had, had invested finances into this merger, time and effort, many months. And all of a sudden, he gets a phone call that they are canceling the merger. That other company disappeared and they couldn't even find him. And there is he sitting in his office and talking to them on the phone. He hangs up the phone and he's saying, oh, Heavenly Father, what are we going to do? And he looks out the window across the parking lot to a field near their office, and there was a hawk that was circling. And then the scripture came back to him again, consider the birds, consider the ravens. They don't worry, and yet God takes care of them. Now, how many of you can fly? Huh? Well, Steve out here flies, but he has to have help. <laughs> Dr. Robert Sapolsky, who, who actually, he's the guy who brought us the word stress. He's responsible for the word stress being in the English language. And he wrote a book entitled, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And I want you to listen. Here's some dialogue from the book or, or monologue from the book. The zebra goes, he writes the whole book from the uh, perspective of the zebra. The zebra goes, you know that lion that chased me down on the reserve yesterday when he started trying to sink his teeth into my juggler vein? My heart rate soared. My adrenaline pumped. My flight or fight, resp fight response went through the roof. But you, you guys, talking to humans, you guys are using the same, exact same system to worry about stuff like whether people approve of you or like your ideas. And the most important thing is that two minutes after I got away from the lion, all my vital signs went back to normal. But you guys, you humans, you go up and stay up. You don't come down to baseline. See, animals are hardwired to trust the Heavenly Father. But for me and you, it has to be a choice. We have a will. Jason said it when his little talk a while ago. You have a will. I know anxiety seems to be a better daily survival system than faith, but that's your personal myth, and it's your autobiographical fiction. I said, that's your personal myth, and that's your autobiographical fiction, that living in high anxiety and worry and fear actually works better than trusting God. What if you stop using anxiety as a tool, but you did your job with diligence without the anxiety. 
What if you kept doing? I said, I asked this question in the beginning. I'm going to close with it. If you kept doing everything you're doing, but without, or we'll say, we'll give you a break with less anxiety. What if you made a decision to become emotionally holy? Proverbs 13.10 says, where there is strife, there is pride. Where there is strife, there is pride. Tranquility is all about surrender. Now, let me go back to Buddy Owens. I told you uh, about him a sec- few seconds ago, a, few, a couple minutes ago, about how birds were something that God used to speak to him. Well, he, uh, just hold off for a second, Buddy. Uh, buddy, I'm talking about Buddy. Buddy. Hey, Buddy. <laughs> One day, uh, this is like 13, 14 years ago, he's still a VP with this, with this publishing company, right? And um, they had planned to demolish a big section of their house and they were going to rebuild it. So they literally had a, a 7 o'clock in the morning, the trucks come and everybody comes. And in, within hours, they had torn down every bit of their house except for the bedrooms, the bathroom, and the garage. And they were going to have it all rebuilt. And, you know, this was a very exciting time. It was going to cost a lot of money, but they had, ever since they bought the house, this is what they wanted to do. So, Buddy, you know, go, goes about his life, and they're, they're living in this difficult situation, but with a goal in mind. Seven days later, he gets called in by his boss and said, we're, we're downsizing the company. We're going to have to let you go. Seven days later, they're living in a couple of bedrooms and a garage, and his job is gone. He made a decision that he was going to trust God and not worry. And he stuck with that decision. He and his wife, they banded together and decided, we're not going to worry. Now, this was going to take a few weeks or months to play out, this whole leaving the job and all that. So they go through all these months, and then all of a sudden, like, uh, as this thing began to grind on, all of a sudden, worry and fear begin to grip Buddy's heart again. And part of this was leading up to the final meeting where he would be given his severance package, and he began to worry about all of that. No job had come through. Nothing else was happening, and he was waiting on a severance package. The morning that he was going to have the meeting to meet with executives of the company to decide his severance package and going to immediately impact his future. He was very stressed out. And the lady next door, as he's, he's, he's getting ready to go out the door for the meeting, she says, can you come over here, buddy? He went over there and she said, I want to show you something. And she had no idea he was going to a meeting. She had no idea he was stressed out. She had no idea that God had always used birds to speak to him and to help him not to worry. She had no idea. She said, I want to show you something. And she takes a peanut, and she puts it in her hand. And they're standing out in her backyard, and she starts to make chirpy sounds with her mouth. And he's like, what am I doing standing here watching a lady making chirpy sounds with her hand open? This went on for three or four minutes. Out of the tree comes a blue jay, lands on her hand, eats the peanut. Goes away. She does it again. She said, well, you like to try it. 
Now, he's, he doesn't dare tell her what's going on because he said, I would have lost it. I would have, I, I, emotionally, I would have lost it if I had told her what, what was going on in my life at that moment, that I am late for a meeting that I am dreading and fearful of, and God has always used birds to speak to me, and this woman is over here showing me how, how a bird is surviving without, without worrying. <laughs> and so she put it in his hand, and the bird was a little, took a little longer because it was a new person, but finally the bird comes and eats out of his hand to speak to, to, to Buddy, to speak to this was now a pastor, that God cares about the birds. God cares about the birds. Listen, when God asks, do you trust me? He's not looking for information. He's not looking for information. He's causing me to question whether I know what he knows. He's causing me to question whether I know what he knows. How many of you here today, and we're not going to come back and pick you out or anything. It's just kind of let me, kind of take the temperature of the room. That's all I'm trying to do, really. Is uh, how many of you got something you're worrying about today? Get them on up there. Something you're worrying about today. How many of you would like to really put that in God's hands today? Would you stand? I'm going to pray for you right now. and We're just going to open up the altar areas for communion. There's communion here, 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 and in the back. But I want this communion to be really special. I want this communion to be, you know what the word communion means? Covenant. You know what a covenant is? A covenant is, listen to this, this is going to make you excited. A covenant is an unbreakable promise. Hallelujah. So I want, I suggest that all of you who raised your hand, you got words about that you come and, and serve communion. We don't have prayer partners here today, so you're going to pray for yourself. I'll, I'll hang around if any of you want personal prayer. I'm going to pray. Then when I, after I'm done, let's enter into response time. Father, Oh, Father, I give to you that thing that I'm worried about today, that situation, because they're always there. There's always something about my life and something about the world around me that's threatening. God, when I look back over my life, most of what I worried about did not happen. Most of it did not happen. So, God, I know that's the first thing to consider. But the second thing to consider is even if it does, you have an eternal life plan for me that I'm assured that I will be okay and the people I love will be okay. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's enter into Response Time Church. You have been listening to the Bethany Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at bccma.org. Thank you and God bless.